Sometimes, when struggling, you need a tangible reminder that you're not alone. You Don't Fight Alone offers the YDFA kit, a small set of items for comfort, grounding, and serenity. Visit ydfa.org kits to get your own completely free YDFA kit. Please be advised. We will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got here. It's probably the suicide attempt, yeah. Like, um, and I, to be honest, I didn't realize how much it affected me. Like, I think, I think I had buried it, dissociated, and then I kind of knew it was there. Like, I didn't, I never really thought about it too much, but when it came up in therapy and it came up a bunch of times over this last year, it really started to weigh on me and yeah it weighed on me a lot until like i literally well i did we did emdr on it um to try to work through it and then also i told the story on my podcast um, about a few months ago so it was something that i wanted to tell just in a way that um yeah because i i don't know why it just it really sat on me and i thought that people could find value in the story like that Yeah, so I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Um, I have been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD. Yeah, so I've been struggling with depression for roughly since 2012. Um, I guess the long, do you want the long answer or the short answer? <laughs> Yeah, so so the long answer is, um, yeah, so I graduated from MIT with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, and I was looking for a job for a while. And I met, I went to a hockey game, and a friend of mine introduced me to this friend who got me a job in mining, and I became a reliability engineer. So I didn't know what that was. And like basically in college, I was a mechanical engineer. So I worked, I worked for about a year in mining. Um, and I walked into my annual review after saving them about $30 million. And I was like, Hey, this is the ticket to success. Like I've made it. I posted massive numbers and, you know, through my, throughout my entire life, it was like numbers are the way to success. Like I was scoring goals in, I was, I was on the junior national team for water polo. I played four years of college polo. I like got good grades. This was the way to get validation from the outside. And I walked into this ex- internal review and basically they gave me the minimum raise, which was like 3%. And the pushback started. How could you find savings that are this big? How could you, like you're just this new grad, like how could you do anything different than we've always done it this way? And this is the culture that's pervasive in heavy industry. Like this is mining. Now I work in oil and gas. Um, I did consulting for five years and we consulted everything from 
shipping vessels to manufacturing to chemical plants, like the, the wash, like basically anything. And the culture that's pervasive out there in industries, we've always done it this way and there's no change. There's, and that really was hard for me, right? Like I was used to pushing the limits. I was used to finding solutions, being creative, thinking outside the box, using like data analysis skills, all these things. And they pushed back. And really what happened for me was I started questioning basically the meaning of life. And I was living in small town in the middle of nowhere. I could go basically for four days in a row without talking to another human being or even like really seeing anybody. Like I lived alone. Um, and yeah, it got real dark for me real quick. And yeah, like I turned inwards. There was a lot of stuff there. Like I turned inwards. I was listening to Joe Rogan at the time. And there, one of the episodes says like, hey, dep- like depression, you can, you can find a solution to depression by doing exercise and by being in nature. And like I'm an athlete. So, you know, this is, this is right in my wheelhouse. And so I started training, like running. I had access to mountain bike trails, like miles worth. And I started running about two to four hours a day through the through the bush. And it didn't really help. And people these days, I, I know you guys must hear it a lot because you guys run a mental health show. But people tell you, you know, hey, like you're depressed. Go for a walk. Go outside. I tried that and yet it didn't work for me. Like it wasn't it wasn't a cure all I think like definitely, I'm sure like if you're sitting at home doing nothing, absolutely getting outside, I'm sure it's help helpful. It's definitely not a cure-all. I don't like, I want people to be aware of this. That lasted about nine months and it like, it kept being real dark for me. And I talked to a friend of mine and she was a social worker and she said, Rob, Hey, you got to go to the hospital and like, you got to get some help. And yeah. I walked into a hospital, it was eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And I said to the doctor, I need help. And she does uh, what a lot of them do, which is she printed off a form off the internet, which with the like depression inventory and the anxiety inventory scales. I filled it out. She diagnosed me with major depressive disorder, wrote me a prescription for an SSRI and sent me home. That started the worst two weeks of my life. I started taking the medication. I went from sleeping six to eight hours a night to sleeping about two to four. I started the, the suicidal ideation got worse. Um, basically it, I couldn't run or exercise anymore. Just everything just kind of imploded for me. And yeah, two weeks later I was like, I was dumping my problems on a friend of mine and she, two weeks later, she was like, Hey, I can't take this anymore. Like you gotta, we gotta not talk anymore. And so I called my parents and my parents said, Hey, like you got to go back to the hospital. You need to tell them to write you a prescription for short-term disability. And then you got to come home. So I did that. And then, you know, I flew home for two weeks, took, took some time off. And then I returned back to the town, started working and they put me in, um, they got me in touch with psychiatrists. So I started seeing a psychiatrist on a weekly basis. We started playing with medication. Um, we also started doing, you know, CBT therapy 
and they put me in a session, a group therapy session. And the group therapy session, I lasted literally 45 minutes. Um, I walked into the session. There was three middle-aged women and two social workers who were younger women. And I was about 25, I want to say, at the time. And I'm this guy that like super high achiever, like still doing everything. And basically no one else in that room was getting out of bed. They had the depression where it was you lie in bed all day, which was super unrelatable to me. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. And I lasted about 45 minutes. I left and I went for a run and I ran 10 kilometers through the snow after that session. And the following Monday, I walked into my psychiatrist appointment and I said to him, I told him that story. I said, hey, look, hey, this is not working for me. This is what happened. And he looked at me and he said, literally, maybe you're not depressed enough. And I was sitting there going, I am literally thinking about suicide every waking moment of my life. And you're telling me I'm not depressed enough. This doesn't add up for me. And that was literally the sign of the, the like end of it for me. Like we switched medications again. One of the medications led to a suicide attempt that, um, yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't really planned. I don't necessarily want to call it a suicide attempt. It just sort of happened in the moment. Um, but yeah, it happened. And after about 12 sessions with a psychiatrist, him saying that, I kind of was out of it. I was like, this, this is not working for me. He doesn't get me. He doesn't understand. And for about six years, I, I shut everything out. I shut down. I dissociated. I didn't really, I didn't, I stopped asking for help. And, and my therapist now, she, she basically thinks that because I wasn't getting the help I deserved, that that's why I got PTSD. And yeah, in 2019, I walked into a life coach's office and I wanted to turn the maintenance and reliability engineering podcast into a business. And what she wanted to do, I will, and I was asking her like, Hey, I need help to do this. And it started me down this path that I'm on right now. It opened up the emotions. The emotions turned into basically the struggle that I had never dealt with before. Um, and it's led to, you know, me talking about mental health on, on my own mental health podcast, me launching a leadership podcast, and also me seeing a psychologist and doing EMDR slash IFS slash ego state therapy, which I think actually is helping me with not only the PTSD, but also the other stuff. And so that's the long, that's the long answer. And that's where I am now. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's called interfamily systems. Um, and basically, everybody has a bunch of parts inside you. It's like there's you as a child. There's you as you right now. There's you as a future you. There's your ego. And then there's different parts that are trying to protect you. Some people call them firefighters. Some people call them managers. Some There's like different things. And I guess you you could have up to 30 to 40 different parts inside you. And basically, uh, I believe it's Richard Schwartz was the guy who invented it. Um, but basically, you go inside your mind 
and do a visualization and you talk to the different parts. And what you're trying to do is get the parts to work together to make you better and to work together and make your life better. And that's kind of how it works. To be honest, I didn't feel that bad. I just didn't feel anything. And I I already thought I had exercised basically all my options and I felt very much alone and very much like I didn't think anyone would understand me because every therapy I had gone to, I tried bunch, I tried life coaching, I tried church, I tried like EAP providers, I tried a few doctors, I tried a psychiatrist and literally it was the same thing every time. It was just like, they try to throw CBT at you. They try to reframe whatever you're doing. It doesn't really, or it never worked for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I didn't feel much for those six years. I sort of gave up trying because I was like, you know, for me, it became more of a chase of novelty because the last thing my psychiatrist said to me was, Rob, you got to move and get a new job. That's how you, you know, that's how you're going to cure this. And so I just kept looking for the next thing. And so I bounced around a lot and I was looking for novelty. And again, novelty works for a little while. Like I, I really, you know, like if you need a, a spike, I think novelty helps, but it's not a long-term solution. Like you can't just find a new job every year for your rest of your life. <laughs> and when I talked about the, the medication the first time, the doctor said to me in the hospital, she said, take these Medicaid, like take the, these SSRIs, go home and come back if it gets worse. And this is like measuring temperature with a broken thermometer. Like how does, how are you? And then not only that, it's also like, it took so much. And I talk about this so much is it takes so much courage to walk into the hospital, to pick up the phone, to call somebody to say, I need help. And, and for, especially when you're on medication, especially when you're depressed, like it takes a lot of courage even more because you don't even want to do anything. And so this whole part about like, oh, just go home and then come back if it gets worse. And like, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at the data on SSRIs, but they're like 55% successful. And some of the time it gets worse, which it happened to me. Some of the time it leads to a suicide attempt, which happened to me. And the people go like, and, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like to me, I'm a, I'm a logical guy. And I go, well, if I walk into the hospital with a broken arm, they don't break it more. Right. And like, this is the system. Like the medical system is not that effective at mental health. But that's really how I felt with it. I felt like no one got me. No one was able to help me. And that's why I sort of turned off from, from looking is, is just like, it doesn't make sense. And so I started just looking for a path to find. I never thought I'd be happy. I just thought I could be like not unhappy was probably more what I was looking for. I don't think the medication, to be honest, would 
unless it worked like basically the first, like I've been, I've tried probably about 15, to be honest, I've given up trying for that. Um, I, I think my better option is to do the therapy I'm doing now and really just lean into that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think with therapists, it, it's really difficult, right? And it's difficult because you think that they're going to understand you because that's their job. And yet it's still hit or miss. And the same thing with the medication is literally the last medication I tried, which was in September. I went to my family doctor here in Edmonton and I said to her, you know, I was looking for five days worth of Ativan uh, because I was looking for just a way to get to sleep. I was, I was having problems with um, anxiety. And she's like, well, I can't give you benzos because of the long-term, you know, addiction and all this other stuff. But I have this new SSRI that the drug company just sent me. Do you want to try this? And I said to her, I was like, well, how can you guarantee, like, you know, my medical history, you know how many I've tried, you know, the effect on me. How can you tell me that this is different than the other ones? And she said to me, if I knew that answer, I'd have a Nobel Prize. As an engineer, I'm sitting here going like, how can you say that to me with a straight face, first off? And then the second thing is like, how can you say to me, like, why should I trust you then? Like, like I've trusted you before and the medication hasn't worked. And now you're going to just like shoot another dart at the dartboard with your basically a blindfold on and hope it hits. And like I tried it. It made me puke basically every morning. And I was like, after a week, I, I didn't, I was like, I'm never going back because it's just not in the cards for me. <laughs> I don't think I've had it yet. <laughs> um, I mean... I think, I think I'm finding it slowly, right? I'm not cured. I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, I don't think about suicide anymore. I don't get anxious anymore. That's not, I still probably have, I don't know, at least another year ish in therapy ahead of me and probably on and off for the rest of my life. Um, but I really do think I found a therapist that's helping me. Like her mix is helping me. The, what we're doing with EMDR and IFS and Ego State. And another one that you probably haven't heard of is called ART that we've done. Um, accelerated resolution therapy. So that one, yeah, you'll have to look that one up. But basically, it's, it's an accelerated version of EMDR. Um, and it does the same thing. So bilateral stimulation you you replay a memory and then you change it a, a few different ways and basically reprogram it into your mind. It's pretty cool actually. Um, but it, it it if you look at their website for it, it says that they get results within one to five sessions. Um, so extremely interesting. But yeah, she her mix I think and her willingness to experiment uh, work for my brain and work for my personality. Like I like pushing the limits. And we've done a lot of stuff that I don't think she does with anyone else. Um, I also, I also like to say and joke that 
I wish I was dumber because I think if I was dumber, it would be easier to find a cure. <laughs> I think where like where I'm seeing now, like basically I am in the middle of a career transition. Um, and I think, I think where I ended up like in high school, basically, well, my whole life, I was raised to believe that like, you, you get the best grades you can so you can get into the best college you can. So then you can get a stable job. And in, in college, my dad always said was like the degree that you get should get you a job upon graduation. Like it needs to get you a return. And I think what, what I see now and where I'm going now with the leadership, uh, like the leadership podcast and then the mental health podcast is more along the side of, of this is where I think I truly can impact the world. And I think my experiences that have led me to this point give me a lot of value to offer other people in this space. And I think it's not about just pure education and maybe maybe quitting my job in 2012, like it would have changed a lot of things, right? But and And I would be in a different place right now. But I think... What I want people to to kind of take from this is a lot of what you believe about yourself and a lot of what you did and do is because of these beliefs that you have about yourself. And, and they all stem from your parents, people around you, experiences you had before you were seven or eight years old. And you can look at them now and you can change them and you can make them what you want to be. And you can change them to what your values actually are. And that's really where you should point yourself is it's not about, you know, like maybe you don't like to do what you do for the day job. Right. And you could be like James and get eight jobs. Actually, it's funny because I have about four jobs myself. So I can't, you know, Um, but yeah, it's uh, right. Like you can put a life together that fits you. And I think that's the piece that people need to understand. To me, it means basically it fits your values. And if you live in alignment with your values, you can feel good about yourself. And not only feel good about yourself, but you also feel aligned with what you do. And I think that's the biggest piece that I don't, I wouldn't say it causes mental illness. Like that. that's kind of, I think that that's, really an oversimplification, but it can lead you to feeling, you know, disengaged from your job. I think that that's a real thing, right? And it's like, if you show up and, you know, your your biggest thing is I want to help people and you're basically an accountant, like maybe that's not the right job for you. And maybe you are helping people, but maybe you're more, you know, like you, you want to actually see it. Um, if you're a people person, Maybe you should be working in a job where you or you should lean into the the people aspects of the job that you have. Like these are things that you can actually do and implement today, right? Like I started talking about my mental illness at work because I think one is nobody talks about it. And two is like I can do that now and like literally help people that may not feel like they can talk about it at work. And so these are things that, I'm not saying like go out and quit your job today. Like that's probably irresponsible. Um, But you can definitely lean into things that do light you up. And like Keaton, like what you're doing, right? It's like 
maybe it's not your day job that's doing it, but you could start a nonprofit. You can go volunteer. You can start a podcast. Like these are things that you can do because you have lots of time outside your job. Like you have the weekends, you have nights, you have mornings, you have whatever. And like, if you actually think about it, you have a lot more time than you think you do. It's just about like applying yourself to that time. Like people ask me, like I work full-time for one company. I work part-time for another. I run two podcasts. Like people ask me like, how do you find the time? It's like, I feel like I have lots of time still. <laughs> first, first thing is, is just please don't come with more platitudes. Like, like, the I, I've heard so many, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. You know, did you go for a walk outside? Um, you know, there's what is it? There's meaning before the struggle, like all this stuff. Um, you know, there's the other the other one I get a lot because I host, you know, a podcast about this stuff is I get people reaching out to me and saying like, hey, uh, you know, God has a path for you. You know, have you tried church? Like these are things as well. For, so first off is like, please don't come with that advice. Um, if you're willing to share your experience and you said like, hey, I struggled too and this was what worked for me, that is absolutely welcome for sure. Um, the second thing I guess to say to people who've never experienced it is just all I think a lot of us want is just to be there, like just to be there, not to say anything. And this is what I went back to, right? Is like, you're not going to fix my problem. You know, you're not going to help me like with whatever you heard on the internet or what you researched for five minutes is not going to change my life. It's just, it's not going to. It's more about you just being there and caring about me and being there as a loving person. And I think that support and to be honest, like I am buying a puppy in four weeks because my therapist said I need someone here for me during the day. And it's like that kind of love is what people need. That's the support they need. And yes, like for some people, not for me specifically, but for some people who suffer, you know, taking them to the appointments, getting them like calling a therapist for them, getting them hooked up with those type of things are things that you can do as you know, a friend or a spouse of somebody who suffers. Like these are things that are helpful, but yeah, the, the platitudes, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll give you this one. And I got it from Steve Ricard. So he was, he was a guy who came on my podcast. He was the guy who did the ECT therapy for 12 sessions. And what he said to me was, and, and there was something that I, I still don't like this question, but every once in a while, when you go and ask like for help or you go to your therapist or a new provider, they ask you, you know, are you going to kill yourself? Or like, what's the probability you're going to kill yourself or whatever, like on a scale from one to 10, are you going to hurt yourself? Um, And you, it's always a fine line to walk, I, I think. I've always said like it's a fine line because it's something that like you're trying to walk this line of like, if I say the truth, they're probably gonna lock me up. 
if I if I don't minimize it completely, then I don't get any help. And like, you know, it's a fine line. And Steve Ricard, what he said, and he was literally four days away from taking his own life um, before like a fortunate event happened and he checked himself into a mental hospital. And what he said to me was, the question that he asks people who suffer is, are you safe? And he believes that that question gets to the root of that answer. And I think it's a very profound question. Yeah, so where, where they can find me. So I have two podcasts out, um, Dismantling the High Performance Narrative podcast. You can find it on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify. Basically, I think, I think it's on eight platforms. So wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts, go there. I also have the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast where we talk more about how to lead others, how to lead yourself, um, both in business, at home, that kind of thing. That one's also available, Apple, Spotify, Google, like the eight platforms as well. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, that's the best place to get me. I don't really use any other social media, but I'm, I'm big on LinkedIn. Uh, you can check out the highperformancenarrative.com. That's the website for one of the podcasts. And if you want to email me, you can email me at rob at highperformancenarrative.com. For more information and to donate, please visit youdon'tfightalone.org. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.